1: Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell's here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a brief amount of news, and then we're going to get into our mailbag. We put out a mailbag post looking for your questions earlier this week, and we're going to answer them on today's episode. We've got some good questions related to football, basketball, volleyball, food, and beer. Everything that you guys asked on the uh, post, we are going to talk about here today. With kind of a weird little gap in in the holiday break, and the football will be mostly covered next week with the Las Vegas Bowl starting up next week. We'll have all that bowl coverage on the site and on here. Um, but for today's podcast, with basketball having now a game again this evening, wasn't a ton, so we figured a mailbag was the perfect time to pull out one of those episodes. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy it. Matt, how are you this morning? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. Excited. Excited for the holidays. Excited to talk some mailbag. I always love doing these episodes because it gives us the chance to to kind of talk a, a wide variety of topics and it's always good to get some questions from listeners and, and that. So that should be a fun um, couple fun couple questions. I'm excited to get to some of them for sure. But before we do that, let's talk a brief amount of news here on the podcast as we mentioned um, one of the bigger news stories UW adds another preferred walk-on to the 2022 class, wide receiver Grady O'Neal, as out of Minnesota, newest addition to UW's 2022 recruiting class. So, Wisconsin, of course, lots been made of the recruiting class over the last couple of weeks. Some people are, you know. Happy with the classes they put together. Some people are, you know, wanting more. But I think we can all agree that this walk-on class is is pretty good. I mean, they've got some guys that certainly could be scholarship guys elsewhere that they've put together, and now they've added the latest one in Grady O'Neal. So what do you make up of that add-on for the Badgers?
0: He, he's really elusive.
1: He's really quick. Um, I think he's a guy
0: that you take a flyer on. It's not like he had a whole bunch of other offers to go with, I mean, mostly Division two schools in Minnesota. Um, he played at St. Thomas, uh, so you're looking at probably a high academic kid. Uh, so I, I think you look at what he has. He's a little smaller, definitely needs to add some weight. But but in terms of his, his quickness, um, supposedly runs under a 4'5", 40-yard dash. So you're looking at somebody who's very quick, and, and maybe he can help you out down the line as he adds some weight. Um I think that's what you got to hope for with a kid like this. But his versatility to play multiple positions is what you want in a walk-on, and I think at the very least he's a kid who could project to help you out in some special team situations down the line.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. He seems like a kid that could certainly fill you out in, in some, some depth situations, special teams, something like that. Who knows? Maybe blossom into more. A guy like him with his athleticism, his speed, his elusiveness, Gets in the weight room and, and puts on some weight and gets a little bit bigger and stronger. Certainly could be a situation where all of a sudden, um, you know, he's he's contributing to more. So it's, it's again, a lot of these walk on situations are usually win win where, you know, you're not tying up a scholarship and maybe the player turns into more and down the road you end up, you know, offering him something. But right now it's a situation where Wisconsin, you know, fills up some depth and uh, really builds to this 2022 class. Cause like I mentioned earlier, this walk on class is, is getting to be. A uh, pretty good group, and, and this will be the, the latest addition to that, and hopefully he can um, give, us, give Wisconsin some good production down the road. All right, our next piece of news, Wisconsin basketball will be in action tonight, if you're listening to this Thursday morning. Um, they ended up landing a game with George Mason, and, uh, of course, a familiar name from years ago um, with that 5 4 run. I think that's everyone kind of thinks of when they think of that. But it's nice for the Badgers to... Add a game, well, originally that Morgan State game was canceled due to COVID issues with Morgan State, so it'll be nice to see the Badgers back in action. Uh, What are you looking for in tonight's uh, contest with George Mason?
0: I want to see if Wisconsin can come out and and perform early. We've seen them get off to slow starts, which has allowed a team to kind of hang in there, specifically Nichols State. You look here, a team that they should beat. But this is a good program. George Mason's a good program. We we've seen them do tremendous things. But this is not the same talented team that we've seen before. They did beat Maryland this year on the road, so they're they are capable of doing it. But they also lost uh, five in a row in the middle of their season so far, um, including losses to like Old Dominion and James Madison. So they're not uh, you know world beaters by any stretch. But this is going to be a tough game for the Badgers. I, I think when you look at Wisconsin, you want to see, can they shoot the ball a little bit better? And defensively, do they come out with that energy from the jump? They've done a really good job in the second half of kind of turning it on, flipping the switch, but they need to do it in uh, the first half as well because I do think that George Mason has some athletes that can test them, and this is a much better team than Nickel State, um, at, at least on paper, what they could be based off of uh, the talent they have.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird team when you look at their you know the schedule and their record. You mentioned the five straight losses, but two power five road wins in Georgia and Maryland. So um, really an odd contest, but it's it's great to see that the Badgers were able to work up a, a game on somewhat short notice that way. And this should be a good test for them at home. I know you know I know with this weird scheduling aspect that they're going through right now, where teams are canceling games and adding games left and right. At this point, it's just good to be able to play. I know um, you know having this long kind of layover can can affect some guys. And then all of a sudden, you you know, we've got finals going on. You're thinking about basketball. You've got a lot going on right now. But it's nice to see them get a game that they should be able to handle once again. That's the point of this type of, you know, this type of team in this type of uh, schedule in this period. You want to have games that you feel like you can come out and, and execute and work through some things because there's a lot of other stuff on their plate. So I'm glad Wisconsin was able to play. I think it's a good test, but hopefully it's a game that they can come out and take care of business. But if not, this is a team that has beat two Power 5 teams on the road and and will certainly give you a little bit of a fight. So I think it will be great for the the Badgers. I'm excited to see them back in action. It feels like it's been a long time uh, in this break already, so I'm excited to see what they can do uh, on the court this evening. Yeah, and hopefully Johnny Davis is back because I think this team needs him uh, and that is very apparent early on. That has certainly been the case so far. Uh, He's been a star in Wisconsin will uh, be hurting if they aren't able to have him back. so we'll certainly keep an eye on that as we move forward, and hopefully Wisconsin can pick up a big W Thursday evening. All right, let's go ahead and hop into the mailbag. So we'll start, we've got mostly football questions to start, and then we'll get into some other ones. Uh, we'll get into some volleyball questions, the basketball questions, everything um, for you guys on today's show. The first question comes from Nanook1207. What are your early thoughts on NIL? Of course, name, image, and likeness. Uh, no, uh, it, so, uh, it goes on to say, will it be good for women's sports, but not so much for men's, good for basketball, bad for football, more curious from that angle. I'm incredibly torn on the subject, so I'd like to hear it from others. And I think that's a great question, because right now everyone's kind of wondering what the future of college sports will look like with this NIL deal that they have in place. I think in terms of my opinion, I think it's mostly good on the surface. I think there's certainly some situations we've seen across the country where it hasn't been great optically. I mean, I think the, like the Quinn-Uber situation, he goes and gets an NIL deal and then bounces for Texas without playing a snap. I think the situations where I know they started to cut back on on some of those deals involving the whole team, just because you're on the team, you get some sort of deal. They're trying to cut back on that. So I think it's mostly good. I mean, I know the the baseline is that athletes can now make money off their name. It just like this is what they want to do. But I still think it's pretty early. I think that's the thing that I look at and go, it's it's kind of the wild west right now still with NIL. We it's in place, but I think there's a lot of kinks to work through, and they're kind of working through it on the fly. So I think in a couple of years it'll certainly be different. Maybe they'll have it better. But right now it's it's almost too early for me to tell on and have super opinions because we're we're just so you know barely dipped our toes into this NIL water that we're going to have to face.
0: Yeah, and I think right now you're seeing that things haven't really, you know, found that, that sweet spot for the market. You're, you're still seeing some volatility where players are getting wildly overpaid sometimes or sometimes not getting paid at all. Um, I would assume that there's going to be um, some sort of leveling there eventually. I do think um, I know one of the – questions involved women's sports i think it's great for women's sports i Mm -hmm. think um you look at a person like dana retke who um you know volleyball you have the option to go play professionally and and there's a lot of wonderful things you can get out of that but it's not like they're going to go and play professionally and make 72 million dollars like we can see sometimes with um a guy like jonathan taylor going to the nfl so to to go ahead and have that opportunity in college I think is really important, um, specifically for women in sports. But um, also looking at it um, for for on the men's side of things, you look at it, and I think that Wisconsin is in a, a good spot with this. But in the end, I, I still think it's going to be the teams who are already paying their players underhandedly mm-hmm. are still doing it. Like if, this is no different. I know Jimbo Fisher – Said on signing day that this is no different than what was happening. Now it's above water. So it's, it is what it is. Um, I do think overall, I think it's a net positive. I do think that there are situations where you look at it and it's, it's a little unsettling, like, um, on the surface, but, but overall you have situations where guys are donating their NIL proceeds to the children's hospital at Iowa. You've got players um going home and donating turkeys on Thanksgiving with using their NIL money. Um in a in a world that everybody can be so callous sometimes, a lot of these guys are doing a lot of tremendous things off the field that don't always get um talked about and so I think that there's a lot of positives that are coming from it I mean even BYU their, their entire walk on program getting scholarships mm-hmm. those are the type of things that you love to see it being used for we'll see there's always going to be some shady stuff that happens but overall I think the advantages outweigh the disadvantages right now or at the very least it's kind of neutral um, in my opinion I think there's still plenty of tweaks that are going to need to be made but I think it's People getting paid for being
1: good at what they do is, is good it, yep. it, overall, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that that's something that they need in place. There's certainly going to be some things that they've got to work out. But they, like you mentioned, there's been so much good that's done with it. There's always going to be that shady stuff going on in the background. But <laughs> like you said, that shady stuff's been going on. It's just kind of a different process to get it kind of uh, put through there that way. So it's it's certainly something that I think we'll look at you know, year by year and case by case and say, you know, we we did, you know, NAL was doing this right to start. It was, we're doing this wrong to start. How can we make it better? Um, But as you mentioned, there's so much good that comes from it that the guys can can take advantage of, you know, in the past, you know, if you had a YouTube channel or you were doing something back home to help people, you, you would almost have to worry about getting in trouble. So the fact that players no longer have to do that and worry about that too is is uh is certainly huge. So early, early to tell for sure. Like you mentioned, great for women's sports. I totally agree um on that subject. We'll see. I think mostly good on the men's front, but certainly some things that they'll have to iron out in a very early period of NIL. All right. Our next question talks about the transfer portal. Actually, we got a, a couple questions on the transfer portal here too. So the two big topics of college football right now, NIL and the transfer portal. Um, this is from sucking. Stucking Overland, what are the rules regarding tampering in the portal? Can there be contact with a player before they declare for the portal? What if a player calls around to see who might have interest? If he would declare for transferring, can anyone respond? How would any of this be monitored? And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I believe you cannot have, at least coaching staffs, cannot have any contact with the player until they officially put their name into the portal. And I know there has been stories that have come out in college football of, you know, I played with this kid in high school or I played in this same conference and I'm, you know, trying to get him to Wisconsin. Same thing that you see, you know, a high school kid recruit another high school kid. But how that maybe funnels through to the coaches, I don't know. I mean, we just talked about shady stuff that's probably going on. I think the transfer portal is probably no different. I I would have to imagine a player wants to maybe kick the tires and see what's out there. So there's probably some under-the-board stuff going on, once again, here. Uh, but I believe, at least in terms of the rules, you're not supposed to be talking to Kidd in any facet until he officially puts his name in there. If that's actually happening, no one would really know, and can it be monitored? That's, that's probably the great question of it all.
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, you're looking at it and you're right. The rules are that you're not supposed to have contact with the player, but I think it's pretty telling that when Paul Chris was talking about rounding out his recruiting department, he talked about bringing on a person that is solely in response or uh, solely responsible for the portal. And and that means keeping care of your own guys from going into the portal, but then also getting feelers out for, for uh, trying to get other people. So, and is there rules about it? Yes. Are the rules set in stone that are going to make it so that it's not a thing? Absolutely not. And I think what is going on now is coaches are not only having to recruit players for the re- multiple recruiting classes. They're not only having to recruit players to join them from the portal, but they're also having to recruit their own guys now. And because there's so much, there's an ease of access to the portal now. Um, that you need to be on top of it, but making sure that those relationships are being built and and um, nurtured, so that you don't have guys leave. And but I mean, it, we'd be crazy to not sit here and say that yes, there are calls going around. Um, there are not only players reaching out to to different coaches, but I think it makes it so that when you lose out on a recruit especially if it's one that you had a good shot at the first time, Um, maybe an in-state guy like a Billy Shrout. I'll just use him. I don't have any insider information about this. But at the same time, Wisconsin's got to continue to, you know, end that on a good note so that, hey, if things don't work out at Notre Dame, He's mm. one, one phone call away from possibly saying, I want to come back home and I want to play for the Badgers and Wisconsin. You want to keep that relationship. So I know fans sometimes get very bitter and, um, you know, frankly pissed off on Twitter and and other social media platforms by players not coming. But I think now more than ever, you don't want to alienate a player because there's a chance that they might change their mind and want to come back home or they might want to eventually go to Wisconsin. So I think that's one part of this that kind of has changed is, is that you want to end on good relationships because there's a chance that person, you didn't win the first time, but you could definitely win the second time in their recruitment. And additionally, I would imagine that coaches still continue to have a relationship with you know um secondary sources around a player if they if they hear anything about the players kind of um thinking about going anywhere, I think that's where it's like yep they're talking to grandpa they're talking to you know seven on seven coach they're talking to basketball coach or something like that i that's what's what's happening. Um so it's one of those where you're definitely having to take care of your guys, but then you all just have to just know that all of this is going on for better or worse. And that's why Paul Christ is talking about possibly having a coach
1: dedicated to just the portal. Yeah, I think you have the down on the head with uh, a lot of the processes of that. it's it's interesting, but it's there and you got to take advantage of it. and if you're if you aren't using the portal in some way, shape or form, you know, you're likely falling behind some other programs out there. I know, you know Alabama just picked up two huge players in Shamir Gibbs and Eli Ricks in the transfer portal. So there's a lot of talent out there, for better or for worse. I think it's great that these players have these options, but, you know, you've got, you're have got you going to see more players entering in there. And you've got to make sure that you've got your ducks in a row uh, to try and, and land some of these players. It's a whole new element of college football once again. And speaking of the transfer portal, uh, Bazinga22 asks, what. What are your thoughts about Wisconsin adding a wide receiver in the transfer portal? What other positions would they possibly be interested in adding? Um, I had a post on Bucky's fifth quarter that was out yesterday kind of talking about some positions and some players you could maybe take a look at to go check that out. And one of them was wide receiver. So, yes, I would think um, if, if there was a position on there, I, I would totally look for a wide receiver. When you look at you've got Kendrick Pryor departing, you've got Danny Davis departing, I think those are two huge players, and you know this season your offense certainly lacked explosiveness in a lot of different ways. So, a I mean, you know you've got you know you like what you see from Marcus Allen, Skylar Bell is another player that I think you know could be really good. Chimray D K is probably your your top target, but I mean Jim D K has been really good. Is he ready to step up and be wide receiver number one? I think he's got the talent to be there, but I can certainly see them trying to look for a a veteran-type player. So maybe break this question into a couple parts. I certainly think wide receivers should be on the the top of the list in terms of positions for Wisconsin to be going after. Yeah, I think they'll definitely be looking. Um,
0: DK's the guy uh, this year, which I think in all honesty, it might be helpful for them to have one player that is the guy that they can feed targets to. We saw that with – Quintez Cephas, we've seen it so many times when you go back to Alex Erickson, Abby, like when they had one guy that was like, yep, he's their dude, um, it can make it harder so that teams just focus on that. But at the same time, um, I I do think it can sometimes simplify things for a quarterback as well. Um, So I think DK is for sure the guy. um, But I, I do agree with you that I think you probably want some other bodies in that room to help, especially a veteran who's done it before. Um, I know that if you look at the way Elvis Winage is recruiting, he likes bigger receivers. That is, that is, there is no question about that. He's looking for bigger bodies. Um, there's a reason they're bringing in Tommy McIntosh here, um, but. You you wonder what a guy like A.J. Abbott, like he just kind of hasn't taken that next step because D.K. popped over him. You said Devin Chandler hop over him before he transferred out. But I think Marcus Allen is probably your your two, and then I think it's a crapshoot from there. So if you can go ahead and find another able body to help you out as a third-ride receiver – I think it would go a long way for, for the Badgers, especially this offense in general. They need wide receiver talent. That's been a, a weakness the past couple of years. If they could add um, a really guy who could, could help them out there, I think it would be helpful.
1: Yeah, totally agree with you. I think it's uh, something that I'll be interested to see how Wisconsin kind of shakes out of that position, um, see what guys they can get to. I know there's you know, there's a good amount of names in there. I know a lot of them already made decisions. So keeping an eye on who enters the portal, where Wisconsin could be interested in, as you mentioned in the in the last question, you want to keep some ties. There's you know, maybe some guys that have former recruiting ties to Wisconsin or formerly recruited by Wisconsin. Um, so there's some other positions as well that some of these guys have had relationships that maybe you can bring them back. In terms of the second part of the question, what other positions? Um, the other two I had in that post were cornerback, obviously with Kalon Gervin Now at Kansas, it's clear that Wisconsin was very active in that market and, and would probably still be there. Um, the other one I had was a kind of a wild card quarterback, maybe some depth behind, um, Graham Mertz. but really I don't think there's any position that you can look at for Wisconsin and say, you know, we're, we're closed off from taking a player. If there's talent and there's fit there, they've got the numbers wise that they can bring on a player. So in terms of need, I, I do think a cornerback would be helpful. There's got, you've got some guys departing, you've got some guys free of your own in the transfer portal and Dante Burton. Um, uh, but overall, I think, all of the positions are in play uh, if there's a good fit. But I, I would say the, the second need would maybe be someone in that cornerback room and then you filling out depth um, in other spots. Yeah, I, I think wide receiver and corner are probably the, the top ones, or maybe
0: defensive back in general. I, I wouldn't <laughs> be shocked to see them um, get somebody who could play a little bit of both just uh, both uh, corner and safety, maybe nickel, to help them out there. But I think those are the top two positions. I think quarterback, running back, those are options depending upon how you feel entering the spring or after spring. Um, because what right now there was a big wave of transfers that happened immediately. Um, there's going to be more, another wave that is going to happen after spring ball is over and after you've had a chance to kind of see who you've got, I know in bowl practices, one of the guys who's being talked about a bunch is Deacon Hill. I think that's a promising sign because you you really need to have a, a backup quarterback mm-hmm. that is competent, and, and right now, they don't have any confidence. It doesn't seem like they do, do at least, with, with Chase Wolfe. Um, otherwise, there's a, a better chance that he probably would have gotten a snap or he, two here um, as uh, Graham Mertz was struggling early in the season, so... I think when you're looking at this, um, quarterbacks a, a possibility. I, I would doubt it, though. Um, if they do, I would hope it be a 2020 kid to kind of fill in that missing spot that you skipped a class. Um, and a, you'd want a guy who's younger than Mertz, for sure. I don't mm-hmm. think you're bringing in a grad transfer, a one-and-done guy. Um, but wide receiver, I could easily see it be a one-and-done guy cornerback, uh, I could see it being a player who's got a couple of years or a one-and-done guy. But I think those are those are the spots. Running back, I think it's going to depend on the prognosis for your, your older running backs in your room to see when they're going to be back. If they're not back by the fall, um, or at least if your confidence in that isn't super high, then maybe you kick the tires on the, the portal because you didn't bring in a guy this class. Um, so I think those are the, the main positions defensively you never know though like you you never know about the defensive line offensively you never know about like tight end like you're Mm -hmm. trying to bring in the best players and uh if if something presents itself where you can improve your roster you you um should be trying to do it so i we'll see how um aggressive wisconsin is in the portal this year but i definitely think those couple of positions wide receiver and
1: corner are top of the board Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think those are going to be the spots to watch. But if there's a fit that makes sense and improves the team, I would think Wisconsin would be looking to jump at that opportunity. All right, our next question comes from Tampa Badger fan. Can we get a celebratory thread about Joe Rudolph heading to Virginia Tech, which is not official yet. I want to preface that. We can use our collective will to make this come true. And, you know, we didn't talk about this last episode. I believe this news started to trickle out right after we published our last episode, so we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. So we'll just kind of dive into the whole Joe Rudolph situation um, as a whole. Of course, Virginia Tech hired Brent Pry, former defensive coordinator for Penn State. He has targeted um, Joe Rudolph as to come in and be his offensive line coach. Virginia Tech has already filled their offensive coordinator spot, so it would kind of be a lateral jump in terms of position. It's not like he's jumping up to be an offensive coordinator once again. So, in terms of the situation, I don't really know how to feel. I know a lot of fans are are happy with that. Maybe it's time for a split, and I can certainly hear that argument. I think the other argument, though, is that you know Joe Rudolph is a quality guy that I've never heard uh, bad words said about him from a former player. I know on the recruiting trail, he's one of the best in terms of situation where he departs. I can certainly cause some ripples, especially you know in the offensive line room. So who knows if it's a situation where Joe Rudolph wants to go onto another job and and leaps at it. More power to them. You can understand this coaching carousel is still going to get wild. It hasn't settled down now. You've got you've got teams finally settled on head coaches now trying to fill out their staff. So you're going to start seeing assistants and, and coordinators and guys jumping into other spots that are not, you know, those top head coaching spots. So it's going to get wildly crazy. Wisconsin isn't immune to that by any means, and it would not surprise me at all. You know, either way, depending on how this situation shakes out.
0: Yeah, I mean – there was bound to be some turnover. Like, it just, outside of 2018, 2019, they just have always had turnover. Like, that's been a thing, no matter if it's Paul Chris, no matter the head coach, Wisconsin um, assistants bounce around, That that's kind of life. Um, last year was by far the most turnover that we've seen. Um, but I think this is fascinating because we've talked a lot about Joe Rudolph and that the offensive line has – has not always lived up to the hype when you look at some of the talent. A lot of it's young talent, so we'll see kind of how he or whoever comes in can develop that talent. I think it's helpful to have um, a guy like Bob Bostad on the other side who could, could pop over and be your offensive line coach, um, just because I think it's easier to to have other guys on your current staff or a different guy come in to play coach linebackers if, if Rudolph was to leave um, I don't think it's a slam dunk to be you know pumped but I do think that um, there's a chance here that if if new blood was going to happen it wasn't necessarily a given that Paul Chris was going to to go ahead and cut somebody so I think that Rudolph might force the hand and allow some of those shifts to happen organically here so I think it's it's a it's a positive or a negative. I think it can go a lot of different ways. It depends on if he does leave one and two, how the Badgers kind of shuffle their staff to to account for it. But I think you look at it. I'm not sure the rationale from Rudolph. It's not like he's moving right next to home. This isn't going back to Pennsylvania. Uh, but nor does he necessarily have a bunch of ties to to pry. I I do look at it as maybe this is one of those cases where. Um, you know, Paul Chris kind of told him to look around because that's a possibility when you consider that last year he was essentially demoted um, and stripped of his offensive coordinator title, took a huge pay cut um, to then see that there was kind of some instability at the offensive line once again for chunks of the season. Maybe Paul Chris wanted to do that. I know Jeff Petricius, um said that this wasn't a move that Paul Chris wanted to make. That could be coach speak. We don't know. Um, so there's a lot of different variables here because you look at Anoka field I'm I am, I've got no insider knowledge of what went into his decision, but the fact that he jumped to a Vanderbilt and then immediately after a year jumped to Washington kind of tells me that, uh, you know, you don't go to a lesser job at one point and then j- jump right away. I'm guessing he might have been pushed out by the Badgers to be perfectly honest because. They had uh, Kalaji in the staff, and they love Sne for the for the weight room. So I don't know about this, and um, I, I hope that Ru- Rudolph sticks around uh, because I do think tremendous human, intelligent, um, really good with the players. But but at the same time, I do think that this could be what was needed to actually spur some change um, because they've been Chris and him have been tied for so long that maybe that's what's what's needed. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that it could be a situation where, you know, Paul Chris is maybe, you know, doing a, a – someone that he's worked with for a long time uh, a service and saying, hey, you know, go look around. There's something else going on. We can't speak to that entirely, but it seems like based on the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily an upgrade in terms of position. It's kind of a lateral move to, you know – You could probably say, I wouldn't say Virginia Tech and Wisconsin are, you know, huge gaps in terms of schools. They're probably pretty even in terms of the last decade, in terms of records and and kind of being in that, you know, winning some big games, but also, you know, falling, having some years that are disappointing. So it's really not a jump to a premier school in a premier conference. It's not like he's jumping down to be, you know, Alabama's offensive line coach or anything like that. So it's a weird one. Um, I would be surprised to, to see that jump, but also I at the same time, I wouldn't be. So what's going on behind the scenes to, to make that move forward is, is the interesting part. Will we ever know a final answer to it? Probably not. It's probably something that's going to be you hush-hush know, behind the doors in terms of these conversations, but um, it's going to be still an interesting situation to watch how it finishes out because, of course, those rumors and And news stories and everything's came out, but nothing has been made official yet. And usually when some of these things start to trickle out, it happens pretty fast. So we'll see what the the final is on this uh, situation. But, you know, some fans are happy about it. I don't know how to to feel about it right now. Maybe it's a change that Wisconsin needed and and eventually change is good despite, you know, these two, you know, Chris and Rudolph working together for years now. Maybe it's just kind of that uh, situation where it's time to move on and do something else. But... It's uh it's gonna be an interesting one to watch. I mean, it's gonna be we'll see how the all the dominoes fall. Um, but that's a huge piece that uh, could depart from Wisconsin, and and how they move the staff around beyond that is going to be the, the next piece of the puzzle after it.
0: Yeah, because I would I would imagine that if 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 the reports are true, um, and he were to leave, um, Wisconsin's got to change then. And, and change is going to be on offense, which is, I think, where they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would imagine that Bob, Bob Bostad would have his choice if he'd want to stay at linebackers coach or pop over the offensive line. Um, the dude is the go-getter. He yells and screams at you. He's a very loud, um, and challenging coach, which I think would be good for the demeanor of the offensive line. But, um, I would assume that he might be the guy to pop over to the offense. I, maybe you make Bobby April uh, the guy who covers all linebackers. That would be a nice way to reward him. He's right now the run game um, defensive coordinator, so he does the front. Um, maybe that's a way to kind of bolster him. He's a guy who's going to eventually um, be sought after by people, so that's a way to kind of give him a little bit more money. And it also allows you to, to use some of that salary that Rudolph had because he did have the, the third-highest staff of – Um, third highest amount of money on the staff behind Jim Leonard and um, Paul Christ that you can get an offensive coordinator and bring somebody in then. Um, So I I do think that while it's not great to see another coach potentially leaving to a job that I would say is a step down based Mm -hmm. off of um, recent history, it is an opportunity to Bring about the changes that I do think that might be needed on offense because things do need to change the, the last two years. Um, I know a lot of people throw out 2020 as the COVID year, but it did happen right. and Wisconsin did struggle. So I think having somebody that can come in and help out in the quarterbacks and offensive coordinator role room to take something off Paul Chris plate might not be a bad thing and if Joe Rudolph's the one that has to leave because of that so be it I I hope um and I do think he'll do fine wherever he ends up or if he sticks around I think Wisconsin will be in a good spot either way I just find it interesting like where is the rumor coming from is it from is it from Virginia Tech is it from Joe Rudolph's agent like where who leaked this Mm -hmm. um and and what's the rationale behind it because um, that sometimes plays into what's going on as well because if Joe Rudolph is the one seeking out that opportunity, then the Badgers are better off if he does leave, right? Like you don't want a guy who's adv- advocating for other jobs, to, to, especially jobs that are going to be probably either a, a net neutral if you were to go. Um, I, I, just, I think you want them gone
1: if that's the case, if he's actually politicking for this job. Yeah, absolutely. If you got one foot out the door, let's get that second one out the door, and maybe it's maybe it's a you know, win for everybody type of situation. I could certainly see it shaking out that way. So certainly one to keep an eye on as we move forward here. All right, we'll switch gears to some basketball questions now. Uh, which UW men's basketball player has impressed you the most this season? Out of Johnny Davis, is there any that has been the most disappointing? That's a great question in terms of outside of Johnny Davis, maybe a little bit more difficult. But they've all played well. I would say for me, I know it's not the flashy pick, but a guy that's really given Wisconsin a lot is Chris Boat, and it's not a guy that I expected them to to get a lot from. I thought he'd be you know, a few minutes type of guy, come in, play defense, be a big body in there. But for him to be a, a scoring threat has been really good. Um, you, know, you already kind of knew what you had with Tyler Wall. Stephen Crowell, I think, has been really good. Um, so those those two the two bigs have probably been the guy that's been uh, most impressive because you know what you got in, in Brad Davidson certainly could say Chucky Hepper and I know he's kind of struggled of late but all of these uh, outside contributors these new contributors that you haven't seen um, have been bit pretty impressive and have helped Will Wisconsin to a really good start this season so I would probably go with those two. Yeah, I mean you look at
0: this and I would agree with you I think Chris Vogt is probably the top answer um, but that's also looking at it maybe a little recency bias here because the last two games he's played really well uh, against Indiana, Ohio state, the, the previous eight games didn't do a whole lot, right? Like, so, um, I do think that he's been a guy that's been impressive, has helped them out quite a bit, especially as Stephen Crowell has struggled the past couple games. But um, for me, I think the guy who's impressed me um, has been Brad Davis. I I think you look at him overall, he's been playing really good. i imagine where this team would be if they didn't have him. I mean, Johnny Davis is obviously the top guy if they'd be absolutely screwed if they didn't have him, but Brad has, has had to help out by running the point guard when they were out of guys early in the year. He's done all sorts of different things, and he's been a, a tremendous player, pretty consistent this year. He's still had those couple of games where he's in single digits, but he's also porting games against, like, Georgia Tech where he drops 27, against Providence 25. So you're looking at a guy who's who's done a lot of really big-time things, and that's nothing different for him, but he's done a better job of shooting from two. Um, He's still hitting from three about at the same clip, but he's just providing and taking a nice step to his game this season that I think um, needs to be recognized as well. So I would think Vogt is the top guy, but I have been impressed by Brad Davidson as well this year, based off of he's taken kind of another jump um, over the course of his career, which I think has been helpful for him.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. You have certainly got a, a nice jump from Brad Davidson compared to what he's done in the past. So he certainly deserves some kudos in that regard as well. All right, next question on the basketball front. Now that we've seen UW did basketball. We, oh, go ahead. Did we, did we talk oh, about the most disappointing? We did not do the most disappointing. Why don't we ha- knock out that one quick? Okay.
0: Um, I, I think there's a couple different answers. I think for me, most disappointing is three-point shooting for for Tyler Wall, Um. Chucky e. Hepburn and Stephen Crowell. I, I think you and Ben Carlson. Those guys are really struggling from three this year, all shooting under 30%. Um, ben Carlson and Tyler Wall haven't even made a three on 26 combined attempts. Um, I think you could make a good case that um, Ben Carlson, um, early on in the season, was was somebody that you could have pointed to and said, "Hey, it's been kind of disappointing," but I think he's made some some nice steps here out of late to help this team out. And kind of gain more minutes because of it. He hasn't done anything flashy, but he, he has provided a lot of energy off the bench as well. So I think that um, that three point shooting from from those guys, as as well as maybe Ben Carlson, if, would be kind of my answers.
1: Yeah, I think the, that's that's the first name that I went to. I don't want to you know dog a guy, but Ben Carlson's a guy that they expected more from, and I think can get more from. Um, but it's got to start soon. Eventually you're getting into big 10 play and it's hard to work through um, some of those kinks when you're, when you're playing, you know, these top teams in the conference. So I I agree with you. I think all of those aspects are certainly ones that have been disappointing and, and you'll hope for more as the season continues. All right. Now we'll hop into the next one. Now they've seen UW basketball play. Some do you think they can finish in the top five of the big 10 standings? That's a great question. I, you, it's a deep conference and it's early. I think that's the point that you've got to really look at. There's so many talented teams in this group from top to bottom. It's it's going to be a dogfight. And we've seen Wisconsin, while they have played collectively well, you know, over the course of the season so far, they have had some clunkers, you know, that Ohio State game, not a pretty one. I mean, so there's situations where could they do it if they're playing the way they've played some throughout the season? Absolutely. Could they fall below that? Based on the, what, some of the games we've seen, absolutely. I think it's it's early to tell, and there's a lot of talented teams. I think right now I'd probably say no. Maybe you're closer. I know in the early season, you know, preseason stuff, you talked about seven, eight, nine. Maybe you're more in in that 6-7 trades, right in that fringe of the top 4 or 5. Um, but it, I think it's early to tell, and we'll see where this team projects once they get into, you know, playing Big Ten basketball every other night and every couple nights is, is going to be – um, the real testament of this team, because it's a it's a deep conference, no different than the last couple of years where there's been a, a ton of talented teams in this in this league.
0: Yeah, I would say that my confidence that they could wind up in that top five has greatly improved based off of um, how this team has performed early. Um, I think it's going to come down to health. This team is finally getting all their players back against George Mason. Can they can keep that going, um, especially with COVID and everything, um, the Omicron variant going on? Um, can they continue to kind of keep that cohesion and build that up? I think will be a, a big factor in that. But I think anywhere right now between, um, say, like four and eight is realistic. Um for this team, I could see them getting higher than that if they maybe get into the three spot or so. But I do think that this team's, my confidence in what they could become is much higher, and I think that they have a a much better resume than I think most
1: people thought at this point in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's certainly a possibility for them to move up a little bit, and we'll we'll see how it shakes out. But, again, this is a, a tough conference. A lot of teams and, and help is a certain uh, certainly a big aspect of that as well. You know, you have seen them without Jonathan Davis have some struggles. If they've got guys out, you know, that can certainly be a big impact as well. But uh, early to tell, and what's been a, a crazy Big Ten season thus far. All right, next we well, Why don't we do the volleyball questions before we do the the food and beer questions to round things out? Um, in terms of that, Chris Notchelios asked, "Who is going to take over the center position with Sydney Hilly gone. Honestly, that's a great question. It's going to be a big, a big departure. Like we said in the last episode, talking about some volleyball, you've got a ton of names that have given you so much over the course of the last few years that all of a sudden you're going to have those names gone. It's going to be really weird. So, Matt, do you have anyone in particular? I don't follow in terms of the roster that closely. We probably should have, could ask Bremen that, and he'd have a ton of opinions on it. But any names in particular you see taken over at the Saturday position?
0: I would think it'd be Izzy Ashburn. Um, she's going to be a senior next year. He, she, she's been on in the program, been involved and played a decent amount. Um, and so I think it would be her. That'd be my guess. Um, MJ Hamill is the other one on the current roster that would be fighting for that. So I would think it's one of those two, unless they go out and get a transfer. Kelly Sheffield has shown a willingness and the ability to find transfers that fit and um, thrive within Wisconsin. I mean, look at Warren Barnes, um, look at Geo. So I think that unless they bring in a transfer, I would think that they feel comfortable with one of those two. Um, but I would, if I had to guess between them, whether it's, um, MJ
1: or Izzy, I would go with Izzy Ashburn probably. There you go. All right. Our next volleyball question we've got who would be the starting six in a Kelly Sheffield era Badger volleyball team? And I, <laughs> I don't. I haven't followed volleyball as closely in years past, but I know there's certain names you've got to have in there, and two of them are on the. We're on this national championship team, and in, in uh, Sydney Hilly uh, and Dana Retke, both of them have been phenomenal. He, but there's been so many good players that have came through, even in in these most recent years that have departed. So that's that's one of the harder questions that you could have, and that you could have a debate, especially when you've got certain positions on there. Um, So there's certainly a couple pillar names, but you could probably make an argument for for quite a few beyond that. Lauren Barnes, who we just had on the podcast, it'd be hard to keep uh, a girl like her off the court. I mean, just so much talent that came through the program under Kelly Sheffield, which really speaks to the way that he's upped this program um, over the course of his tenure. Yeah, I think Recchi and Hilly are are surefire bets.
0: I think Lauren Carlini, Mm -hmm. um, also a setter, so it makes it kind of tough (laughs) to turn Hilly. But I would say – no matter what, you'd want her on the court. Um, she's just too good of a talent to not be on there just based off of what she's done in the pros as well as in her time at, at UW. Um, I, I, you look at it, she's the only one that has a resume, even close to what Recchi and Hilly have accomplished. So I would say that those three are surefire bets to be on there. You figure out where you can put Carlini and Hilly and who's setting and who's not. Um, but I'd rather have them up there. Um I think beyond them, I think you'd probably want Molly Haggerty, multiple All-American selection, outside hitter, can do a lot of things. Haley Nelson, um, kind of early times with with uh, Kelly Sheffield, I think she was multi-year um, All-American as well, can do a lot of things. And then that sixth spot, I think, it is kind of a wild card. You You brought up Barnes. I think if you're looking for a defensive specialist, That's probably who you want to go with. But then you've got – I think Devin Robinson is an absolute stud. I think she's going to be so good. Same with Smrak. I think both of them are are people that you are buying in early on as as players that are going to only continue to be better as they have a a more prominent role on the team. Um, But then, yeah, Barnes. And then Tiana Williams is another one from earlier Kelly Sheffield times. But I think it would be somewhere in that group um, that you would go with. But I do think that Reckie, Hilly, Carlini – Haggerty and Nelson are probably um, in that starting five, and then you just got to figure out how you, based off the complexion of your roster, what you do with the last um, four people that could possibly be in there. So that's kind of my guess, but I am
1: not a uh, volleyball savant by any means. I think those are all great and, and very fair names. There's been a lot of talent that's worked through there, um, and, and some tough decisions would have to be made if you're assembling a Kelly Sheffield-era all-star team. All right, up next, we got a couple of food and beer questions to round things out. Um, Tampa Badger fan asks, what is the best beer to come out of Wisconsin, and why is it Spotted Cow? I know our fearless leader, Drew Hamler, will not love hearing that, as he he thinks Spotted Cow is a good beer, but not a great beer compared to what everyone else makes it out to be. Um, I I guess I'm, I'm on the fence with Spotted Cow. I really like it. I think it's a great beer. I don't know if it's necessarily the best, but at the same time, if you, you know, you put the pressure on me said what is the best better than there it's, it's hard to come up with a better name other than you know your, your classic staples um that have been around for years so what is the best beer to come out of wisconsin for you or what have you been uh, sipping on from wisconsin lately i love central waters dark stuff mm-hmm. um that's
0: just anything bourbon barreled um anything like that uh some like quads i i love what they pump out in terms of dark beer. I know there's a lot of other great dark beers around as well. Um, But I I agree. I think Spotted Cow is one that if I'm going to end up having like seven of them, sure, a Spotted Cow is is good because it's just easy. Um, I also like IPAs. I know there's multiple places around the Milwaukee area that have some tremendous IPAs that I also like. So I think those would be – I think also just, like, a very basic beer that I, I enjoy from time to time is the Winter Skull from um, Capital and and Capital Amber. Those are both uh, solid beers that I enjoy as well. So I think there's a lot of great beers around, but, but I would say that Spotted Cow – Basically, Glarus, A lot of their stuff is is really good, um, and and I just enjoy. I actually like a lot of uh, Glarus stuff beyond Spotted Cow a lot better. But if if uh, I'm going to like a family function
1: or something like that, Spotted Cow is always there, and I'm not going to turn it down. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned it because I think in terms of Spotted Cow, I think that's what everybody thinks of. I mean, when you go out of the state of Wisconsin. Um, everyone's asking you to you know bring me some Spotted of cow, bring me some spot of cow, but there are so many beers beyond that, even from just new Glarus I mean that um you know the Belgian red has been a good one. Moodman man is always a good one um they've always got the seasonal ones that they put out um you know the the cabin fevers and, and those couple other ones that. So you, you've got just New Glarus, and you've got how many other ones, Toppling Goliath Goliaths. You mentioned Central Waters, which is one uh, a lot of people like. There's uh, a immense amount of breweries in this state, so you, you're, you'd be hard-pressed to, to go wrong um, with any of them. So that, uh, that's, that's a tough question that you could probably spend an entire podcast uh, debating back and forth in terms of the best beer to come out of Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, and anything Oktoberfest from just about anywhere in Wisconsin, I'm going to be content with. So that would be, <laughs> like, if we're looking for a best beer, I just love Oktoberfest, so that would be my, regardless of what it is, I know Staghorn's really good from them, um, but I love Oktoberfest. Yeah,
1: it's it's hard to beat uh, a crisp fall morning uh, with uh, headed to a, a Wisconsin Badger tailgate and you've got some Oktoberfest beers in the cooler. It's uh, hard to beat that for sure. All right, our last question in terms of food and beer: What do you put on your brats, and what goes in the perfect Bloody Mary? That's from Chris, not Um, I think I'm gonna get some heat for this, but uh, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of a basic in 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 terms of a brat. A lot of the times, I just go with the ketchup, which I know people will hate to hear in terms of sauerkraut and onions and all that options. Growing up, I uh, I hated onions, and I've kind of gotten over that now, but I'm still not. You know, slopping them on to uh, everything so that's a, a personal issue I've got to work through because I know a lot of people here you know catch up on a brat and will probably um, shake their head but that's that's uh, what I go with most of the time and I'm starting to uh, expand my palate a little bit more of late but uh, I haven't made that commitment to changing it just yet. That's fair.
0: Um, I, for for brats, I I do like onions. Um, I think my number one thing is that I like Silver Springs beer and brat mustard. Um, if you get the right batch of it, like you get the right bottle, it just delivers a kick that kind of makes your eyes water and and wakes you up in the morning. So I think that would be my topping. I don't mind if there's only ketchup. I I'll I'll do it. But um. I think for me if if there's a, a good mustard, spicy mustard that can clear the
1: the nostrils, I'm going with that. There you go. All right, and then the last one, what goes into your perfect Bloody Mary. you know I'm in terms of Bloody Mary, I'm not super picky i'll I'll drink pretty much most of them. It's hard to make a bad one. Um, there have been I, I personally like mine uh, a little thicker, you know with, with with a Worcestershire sauce in there, and I like mine spicy. You get me as much tabasco. Um and, and stuff that you can have on there. I it's not something that I want to be you know, putting down fast. I like to to have that spice in there. So any sort of hot sauce or Tabasco, whatever you want to put on some horseradish, anything to make it a little spicy. And then I always like to have uh, some sort of like a splash of pickle juice or just a pickle in there. And then you know give me a whole appetizer row um, on on some sort of skewer uh, to top things off. It's, it's you can you can make a lot of different uh, Bloody Mary's uh, that way, but as long as it's got some spice and some kick in there for me, uh, I'm happy with it. Yes, yeah, spicy as hell is really what it comes down to for me.
0: I agree with you that um, having having a nice mixture of um, things to go with it, whether it be cheeses and um, beef stick, I am going to be extremely happy. Um, but one thing that it doesn't go in a perfect Bloody Mary. But in order to get a buddy Mary, and for me to have the full experience, I also need a good chaser to go with it. Beer yeah. chaser on the side, I think, helps make the whole experience uh, top-notch. So that's one thing that I would add to it. But spicy as hell with a beer chaser, and I'm
1: in heaven. There you go. <laughs> you can tell it's uh, two gentlemen from Wisconsin uh, hosting this podcast for sure, because I, I wholeheartedly agree with uh, that added point. That can That can make or break a situation when you get that. Uh, Bloody Mary done and then you've got uh, nothing to step on after that so a nice little small chaser there followed by probably another beer chaser is always a great situation all right guys hopefully you enjoyed our mailbag episode it was fun to talk a little bit of everything including some food and drink we always like doing that with you guys and it's been a while since we've done a, a mailbag episode so thank you for listening next week we'll be we'll of course have our Arizona State Las Vegas Bowl preview, and then I believe uh, the game is on Thursday, so we'll have a recap episode um, the day after that. So it might be a little spaced out, but we want to make sure we're covering, you know, a the uh, the Las Vegas Bowl. And we'll talk about some basketball in there as well. As I mentioned, guys, as always, thank you for listening. Have a happy holiday. Um, we will talk to you next week on Wisconsin. <laughs>